all gas, no brake. We're going to be a special team, baby. We're going for the Super Bowl. The kid stepped up. The kid stepped up. Where's two? Debo Samuel has requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. Joe Douglas, if you are listening, drop what you're doing and go get Debo Samuel. But big day next week for all Jets fans and Jets Nation as the NFL draft is just around the corner. We made it, everybody. It's here. The NFL draft is finally upon us, and we are here at the Jets Way Podcast. Jake and Lorenzo, Sean will be back next week joining us to break down this upcoming draft. And tonight we have a return of a very good friend of the Jets Way podcast, Mr. Nick Spano, the co-founder of U Stadium. Can't wait to talk to Nick to break down this whole draft and the latest on Debo Samuel as well, because how do we ignore that? Before we get into all that exciting stuff, Lorenzo, give, give, me, give me how you're feeling leading up until next week. We're not talking about the Brooklyn Nets or any other New York teams, but they're, they're irrelevant to me at this point. How are you doing individually? I'm doing well. Man, uh, honestly, the Jets have me excited. I feel like this is going to be a really good draft for us. Um, I just have that feeling. I think it will be very hard to mess this up. And I have full I – have, I have a lot of confidence in Joe Douglas and, and what his – we know what their, what their plans are. I think they learned a lot from the 2020 draft. I don't even know if that we can even pin that on Douglas anymore. That might just be a mixture of the weird off season that they had and Adam Gase's influence, because we all know good things don't happen when Adam Gase is around. So it shouldn't be much of a surprise that that draft didn't go the smoothest <laughs> to say the least. Debo Samuel, before we get Nick on here, we'll definitely ask him about that right away before we get into all the draft stuff. But Lorenzo, Correct me if I'm wrong here. The Jets need to do almost anything virtually possible to get Debo Samuel on this team. Agree or disagree? I, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's definitely, obviously, a, a, a fair price. You know, I'm not going to give up two first rounders or anything crazy like that. You know, let's be realistic. But I think right before the draft, I think now is pretty much the time for the Jets to to make things happen and. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think we have to pretty much do, you know, whatever it takes to, to get to, de- to get Debo on this team because honestly it doesn't seem like any other star wide receiver is, you know, on the market at this point. It seems like A.J. Brown is they're, – they're not really wanting to trade him as well. So, um, yeah, if Debo's requesting a trade, I, I would be all in for that. We were kind of just spitballing with each other a couple weeks ago on the potential of A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin becoming available. And I told, I told you, and I think you agreed with me also, Debo's the guy if any of them were a choice. If I had to pick between all of them, it would be Debo Samuel due to the familiarity with the coaching staff, the versatility he brings, just get the ball in his hands. It creates easy offense, takes a lot of pressure off Zach Wilson. If the Jets are not moving the ball, just get it to Debo. He'll take it from there. And he's also 26 years old, which is – I know the other guys are also looking for their first contract, so you can't really use age, but – when you compare Debo to Tyreek Hill, who the Jets were pursuing, he was on that third contract, 28 years old. Hill, the, the issues he had off the field are well-documented. And also, 
he's coming from – I get it, the Niners were also a contending team, but Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes for your whole career, coming to a team like the Jets that hasn't won anything in a long time without knowing Robert Sala, the guys in charge, that could have been a disaster. That could have been another Santonio San Holmes. I'm not saying that I'm okay with not getting Tyree Kill. I would have loved Tyree Kill. I don't want to put that out there. I was pretty crushed when they didn't get him. But the Debo thing, it might have been a blessing in disguise. If he is in any way available, and you can tell me what, what you think about this package that I will propose, if it costs the 10th pick, I think I can live with it. I really do. If it's 10 and 69 and maybe like a third next year, and if they're really stingy, if it's like 10 and 38, I think we have to swallow our pride here. I, I really do. You know, I'm actually, I'm actually going to agree with you. I think, I mean, obviously we would love to keep 10 if possible. I think like the preferred route is to trade probably either two seconds or, or one second, a third, and maybe a third next year. But man, that that's a, that's a game changer that we need in this offense. And I think, like you said, the familiarity with, um, you know, Sal and the coaching staff. Um, one thing I do want to bring up is that I think it was reported that he, he wasn't happy playing running back. Um, or, or having as many snaps as in running back um, in San Francisco. So that's interesting to note. Um, but I definitely think he's a gadget guy. You know, I would, I think I would definitely do that because, man, we need that veteran wide receiver to, to pair up with Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I don't need him to play running back if he comes to the Giants no. because he was second in the league in receiving yards before he changed his position, quote unquote, to the wide back and kind of created a whole new position on the football field for himself. I don't need that. End around jet sweeps a couple times a game here and there. I'm good with that. I don't need Debo Samuel touching the ball, especially if the Jets are going to give him upwards of $25 million a year. We don't need Debo Samuel touching the ball infinite amount of times and getting hurt because we all know that doesn't do us any well. So I'm good with that. And also that, that kind of just started this year with Debo Samuel out of the backfield and Mike LaFleur wasn't there for that. Mike LaFleur, it should be noted. I don't know. I could be making a bigger deal of this than – I should be, but Mike LaFleur was the passing game guy for the 49ers. Mike McDaniel, who was now who is now the Miami Dolphins head coach, was the offensive coordinator last year, was the run game guy. So maybe Mike McDaniel installed that whole plan and Mike LaFleur. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? I'm just trying yeah. to find some positives here. But it should be noted also that new Jets guard Lakin Tomlinson has a very good relationship with Debo Samuel. I don't know if you remember, but when Lakin signed his deal with the Jets, Debo was pretty vocal on social media how he'll miss playing with him. And maybe Lakin Tomlinson sent him a text like, hey, it's great over here. Come on down. We're building the 49ers East Coast. And we don't have Kyle Shanahan. We have Robert Sala. Everybody's boy will be our coach. We don't have Kyle Shanahan ruffling any feathers. It makes – it just like it's, it's such a dream scenario. Like it's like the Hollywood like – the dude's coming to play for, you know, one of his old coaches. And there's a lot of 40, ex-49ers on the Jets now. So that's a great point that you brought up. I mean, listen, man, it could be Debo, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, um, you know, Berrios. I think that's – this offense could be something special with him. And the 10th pick, it's not as – I'm not saying it's not valuable, but it becomes something like if they trade 10, they could always – they. you see what I'm saying? They could always – Let's say Kayvon Thibodeau's off the board at four. You could always trade down, right? And then you're drafting a wide receiver at 10 anyway. 
let's look at the options. We love Jamison Williams. Unfortunately, he will not be able to play until – I don't buy this whole December nonsense either. I think Jamison Williams will be playing by the middle of November. This is, this is the ACL. This is not the Achilles. I think he'll be ready to go by November. But he, he won't have any OTAs. He won't have any training camp. It's, it's a tough predicament to be in, even though I would personally take him if we're unable to get a Debo Samuel. I still might honestly consider it if we can hang on to the 10th overall pick, but that's, that's another argument for another day. But Drake London, we have questions about. It's not just that he didn't run the 40. He doesn't have the elite explosiveness. He doesn't have the route running tree that is needed for the 49ers offense. We're looking for route runners. Denzel Mims was banished to the sun because he didn't know the playbook and wasn't really deep in the route running tree. He just knew how to go deep and go up and get it. A lot like what Drake London does. Garrett Wilson, we, he does a lot with Elijah Moore does. So I don't know. I, if, I, if, I had, if there was a Jamar Chase in this draft, I think I would be a little bit more hesitant. But the thing is, there isn't. And that's why I'm okay with parting with the 10th pick because it's probably going to be a receiver anyway. Yeah, no, I, that's a great point that I was going to bring up. There was like a proven, you know, first of all, a lot of people have questions about who the number one wide receiver in this class is anyways. That means there's not a consensus guy who's, you know, supposed to be this great thing. Not to say that, you know, these guys aren't good, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, I think the Jets right now, you know, a proven commodity on offense would do wonders for this team. Um, and it would really just add to this offense. So, no, I think you're bringing up some great points there. And if it's the Tyree kill package with the two seconds and the third, my goodness, that would be a tremendous, tremendous acquisition, acquisition yeah. for the Jets because then you could trade out a 10. I, I don't even think it would be a debate. I think you would have to trade out a 10. Obviously, it takes two to make a deal, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think, I think if we're being honest, I, I feel like the Jets have gotten offers for 10 at least. They, they've had to already. I think – you know, the quarterback needy teams, you know, the Saints or the Steelers are, are probably the two that we're looking at. But um, I definitely think it's it's doable. Yeah, definitely have to ask our good buddy Nick Spano coming up. But uh, one more thing before we move on. The Jets had Kawan Alexander, linebacker, free agent, cross pass with Robert Sala for a year in San Francisco. Big deal or no big deal? No, I think I think it shows that we're still looking for linebacker help. Um, either via free agency or, 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 or via the draft. Um, but Quan Alexander um, has played under Sala. So I think, you know, just that familiarity, like we said before, I think that's definitely something that, you know, would be uh, valuable for the locker room. But, you know, an, another death piece in this linebacker room because, you know, we, we need help there. We need help there. I don't know if I buy this whole Quincy Williams will be a pro bowler type thing. I, I, I mean, like maybe, what but, yeah, maybe. maybe, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet is right. And if Quan Alexander is healthy, he's better than Quincy Williams. And next to playing next to C.J. Mosley, that's an upgrade. How many times last year was there screen passes where our linebackers couldn't tackle? And a screen that probably should have went for a loss was like a gain of 10 or 15 yards, especially on third down, third and longs. That needs to be corrected. Tells me also that the fact that they're looking at free agent linebackers, what if they couldn't sign him, maybe the price? I don't know. For whatever reason, they don't bring him in. Maybe they're sitting there. If they trade back at 10 and they think about Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, or day two, assuming they don't trade for Debo Samuel, we don't have a, a crystal ball here to predict these type of things. But day two of the draft, maybe a Chad Muma, who everybody's pretty high on, or um, 
give, give some day two linebackers like that guy Troy Anderson that our buddy Connor Livesy loved last week. So they might not be as set as we think on the linebacker position. Long story short. Yeah, no, I definitely think, uh, you know, uh, the trade back, um, you never know there, but I definitely think, um, and we'll obviously hear from, from Nick Spano about this, but I definitely think um, day two is, day two, maybe maybe early day three. I think that's definitely a spot where we can definitely take um, a linebacker um, who could play off the ball. The center from Iowa was always intriguing too. And Joe Douglas had his press conference with Rex Hogan today, player personnel, assistant general manager, big set. One of the big sayers, uh, big sayers in the Jets building. I don't know what the – it was like Heimer. Remember Heimerdinger, that guy, that character with McCagnan? Anyway, Douglas was pretty clear that he's ready to strike today if it's the correct opportunity becomes available, which pretty – sounds like it – sounds like it. So let's see those words become actions, Douglas. And also, I found it pretty interesting that Mekhi Becton is not at Jets OTAs today. I don't care what anybody tells me. That's a horrendous look. You're in a big make-or-break year. If you were in shape, wouldn't you want to go in there and show to your bosses, hey, I'm really committed to this football team, and I'm in shape. I'm ready to go. No need to draft my replacement. I'm ready to play. I want that second contract. Is yeah, that, I mean, And maybe tackle it for because Douglas said, best player available. I think it opens up that idea, and I really – I really just want the Mackay Beckton situation to work out. I think every Jet fan does, but it's just like, like it's always a. Sto- I feel like it's, there's always a, there's always a story right now. And I, and I've, I've heard that you know his his wife um, is pregnant is a like eight months pregnant, so maybe he's kind of staying back and and dealing with that. I don't know. I can't confirm, but I just feel like there's always a story with with, with this guy so far, and it's. I just want him to to, to play in the field, man. And with all that, we'd like to welcome in the legendary Nick Spano, co-founder of U Stadium. Oh, what's up, buddy? What's up? Long time, no talk. I know. What was it like last year around this time, right? Last year around this time. Whenever we, <laughs> whenever there's a draft or something significant, some people like to go to Adam Schefter, Rap, Pelissero, <laughs> Garofalo. We we go to U Stadium. <laughs> I like it. I appreciate that. So, Nick, give, give, in one word, are, are you relieved that the draft is next week or are you kind of, like, sad to see it go? Is it kind of like Christmas for you or what's the feeling uh, like going in? A little bit of both. Like, uh, it's the best day of the year, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't know, I think it's the most fun day of the, the football season. It's that and then it's week one, you know, right? Like, you finally get to see it for real. But, you know, that's, that's probably usually where the fun ends for the Jets um, <laughs> after, after week one. But um, – it's bittersweet because it's, it's, you know, you're the build up to the draft is awesome, you know, but then it gets really long and dragged out. And then, you know, day one and two are awesome. Um, I love the little like rush for the free agent undrafted free agent signing after the draft. Um, and then it's over and then you hit the, the worst part of the off season. So it's, you know, it's bittersweet. Um, but <clears throat> I, I, I like this, well, what's what's today? Thursday. I I like uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week because like that's when there's so much shit out there. Yeah, that's that's when the rumors start flying, and I think that's what like a lot of a, a lot of Jet fans are looking for because obviously we want one particular player to fall to us. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think you know just just wanted to hear your thoughts on you know what have you heard from the Lions. Um, what have you heard about Kayvon Thibodeau? I think a lot of Jet fans, you know, would love to hear that. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the report, 
that the Lions are not a fan of. I don't know what the like the legit quote, like like the actual quote was. Whether it was saying he he didn't vibe well with the coaching staff or his, uh, you know, his uh, personality didn't fit what Campbell does. And I just I heard that was like completely not true. And sounds like it's probably coming from somebody who's got a reason to put that out there. <laughs> you know, it sounds like it's coming from a different team or you know, somebody else who would rather him slip past there um, or another player's, you know, a, a player agent's team, you know, maybe a, uh, I don't want to, you know, incriminate any player or accuse him of anything. So I'll remain nameless, but it definitely happens. Like the, uh, I don't know if you guys remember last year with Justin Fields and the report came out a few weeks before, maybe the week of, but the report about like his epilepsy came up out of nowhere and, like, there's no reason for that to be leaked. And a lot of people weren't happy with how it was leaked, and they accused another kind of agency of leaking it. So there is a lot of dirty stuff in the business, for sure. And, you know, you just have to be careful of where stuff comes from and, you know, and, and what's the reasoning for it. So, you know, the Thibodeau thing, the Lions, I could tell you straight up that Thibodeau's team – um, thinks he's going to be a lion. So, um, and I said, even if Hutchinson was on the board, he was like, you know, from what we hear, you know, he, they like him a lot and he'll be the pick. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it could be some kind of gamesmanship on their end too, you know, just to kind of match the bad PR with some good PR. Um, so, you know, you always have to, to, to be aware from, of that. Uh, but I know for sure, you know, that the Jets really like Thibodeau. Um, they have no problem with this whole, you know, barrage of information this off season, um, you know, this draft season, I should say. And Salah has no problem coaching him, and the, the scouts have no problem with his tape. Um, they think he he matches the defense better than anybody in the draft, even Hutchinson. Um, I think they would probably take Hutchinson over him because he's a safer pick, um, and they think he's you know a tad bit better. But the system fit. Uh, there is no better fit than than you know Thibodeau for what Sala wants to do. Uh, that really hurts me, Nick, as somebody that's <laughs> wanted Kayvon Thibodeau on the Jets. But it's reality. The guy's a stud, and I wouldn't blame the Lions at all. But I just wanted to run this start by you with the NFL draft because it's pretty interesting because everybody brings up the Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Trayvon Walker, the three edges going first. But and everybody kind of links Ike Aquano to the Jets. What if the start was Hutchinson 1, Thibodeau 2, Ike 3? Are the Jets high on Trayvon Walker from what you've heard? Or take me through that whole process if that's how the draft ultimately starts. Yeah, we love the worst-case scenarios, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, well, listen. <laughs> I know. It's, it's definitely a – it definitely is possible, and I'm sure it's – you know, it's, I'm sure the Jets, you know, when they do this whole kind of setup in their own mock, like, I don't know if you guys saw the Panthers did that little draft show for their fans, similar to like what the Jets do with the one Jets drive thing. They did that for the, for their fans. And um, they took you, I think it was like the day before the draft and they pretty much like, like did a mock draft, you know, on the, on their whiteboard. And, and it was down to a T like they had everybody pretty much correctly. So they have so much better Intel than we do, you know, like, You'll get uh, Jeremiah, who's great. You'll get Mel Kuyper, all the rest of these guys who are super informed and have done it for 100 years, and they swing and miss like 70% of the time. 
Um, these teams have so much better intel than we do. You know, so Douglas, I'm sure, is prepared for that. It's probably worst-case scenario. Um, and, and, like, I, back to your question about Walker, I haven't heard that they're very high on him, so I, I don't think they would pick him. From what I heard, they, they really like Jermaine Johnson. Um, could they go offensive tackle with, with Evan Neal? I mean, possibly. Um, especially with this whole Becton situation where, I mean, we can sugarcoat it all we want. It's an issue. Um, so, you know, you can't the coaches and I know they're trying to put on a, a, you know, put on a friendly face when they talk about him and, um, you know, Sala raves their Sala is excited about, you know, him being in shape and stuff behind the scenes. They're worried about him. So, um, I wouldn't rule out even if they do, you know, Thibodeau does fall to four and they, they end up picking him offensive tackle is probably going to be picked within the first, you know, two rounds, um, at some point. So, uh, it's it sucks to think about because it is realistic, like you said. But um, you know, so much can so much can happen. I think I just from what I heard, I just don't think they'll go sauce there at four. I mean, they could when when push comes to shove. You know, if he's the best player on their board, um, Douglas said they have ten guys who they really like um, early in for in the first round. So that's you know between one and ten when they pick at four and ten. Um, so, you know, they have, they have their boards set a certain way. And, you know, if you try and even if you have a pretty solid source within the team, it's impossible to like feel a hundred percent about what their draft board looks like. So, you know, we guess, right. So it's like, I don't think they would take Walker. I think they would take Johnson over him. They would probably take sauce over him and they would probably take Neil. So I think those would be the three names to watch at, at four. If, you know, unless you could trade back, which I don't think that's going to be an option probably 10 is to be 10 is where they'll you know if they do move back it'll be there yeah and i wanted to ask more you know more about trading back from 10 i think um there's that's definitely a scenario with um the saints you know potentially moving mm-hmm. up as well as the Steelers. do you know or do you see of any you know prospects that that joe douglas might like in, in that trade back scenario maybe in the 16 to 20 range yeah, I think, you know, Trevor Penning is the guy they really like. I know Linderbaum is the guy they like. Uh, the receivers, I mean, I think Rex Hogan today said that they have, you know, it's pretty close between, like, you know, who their top receiver is. I think he said that there's a lot of, um, you know, paraphrasing, but the, the receivers are pretty close together ranked. So I don't think – I don't know if they have one guy, you know, way higher than another. Um, maybe secretly they're hoping – Atlanta does them a favor and takes a guy so that they can, you know, at least say, well, well, we got this guy and he was our guy, but maybe, you know, they just did them a favor and took a guy, you know what I mean? So let them pick for you. Um, so I, I would say probably, probably the receivers, um, Penning, I know they do like Linderbaum. I know they do like, um, Linderbaum might be, again, they have better Intel on who's picking who, where Linderbaum is probably a trade up from 35 more than a trade down from 10 um, just because you can probably get a center later, like where they just got mangled, I think 29 in what was it? 2006 or something. Um, that's probably like the sweet spot for Linderbaum too, that 25 to, to 35 range. I'm really glad you didn't bring up the white whale with the jet fans right now, because I'm going to ask you about him before we depart. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think but- I know who you're talking about. Really interesting. <laughs> just, just real quick, because you brought up Linderbaum, who joins my every year. I have like a group of guys that 
are just my type of guys that I want them to draft. And sometimes they draft them and sometimes they do. Most of the times they don't, but it's okay. Yeah. You brought up the receivers. I have been, and I think you, I've been tweeting this at the U Stadium Twitter handle. I don't know who takes the reins over there full time. <laughs> but Jamison Williams from Alabama. Should I get my hopes up or – do you think it'll be more so? I'm obviously you don't know off the top of your head, but yeah, Drake London not really a big fan. I don't love how he didn't run the forty. Not the best route runner. Not that he doesn't bring the element that we need to the offense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. With this top end speed, they tried getting in Tyree Kill. I think Garrett Wilson's a lot like Elijah Moore, and honestly, Garrett Wilson wasn't great against the good teams in the Big Ten, to say the least. And I also question the hands too. A lot of other people, our guy Connor Livesey, who we had last week, said the same thing. Mm-hmm. With the receivers, what are you thinking? How that goes down? From from what I when, you know, when we did the whole empty the uh, draft notebook, you know, last week when we posted that out, uh, there there are teams comfortable with taking Williams in the top ten. Um, whether that's Atlanta, whether that's the Jets, whether that's Seattle, I don't, probably not Seattle, but you know, a team moving up. Um, I saw someone said that like December he'll be back. I think that's crazy. I think October, you know, they'll they'll slowly kind of get him back in there, and, and you know, in November he should be, you know, back to as close as you can for a hundred percent. I think December is pretty crazy. Um, it's how it's how comfortable your team feels with Jamison Williams' knee, and by all accounts. He's ahead of, you know, at least he's on schedule. Most people say he's ahead of it. Um, so if that's the case, he's the clear-cut number one receiver. I don't, I, I, I don't think you can have an argument about that. Um, I think he's, he's got a different game speed than anybody. Um, he does – he just plays the position. There's, you know, there's sometimes your eyes don't lie, right? Like you can look at a guy and you could use all the, you know, the, the, the scout talk and the um, – you know, watch the tape, but sometimes you're just like, this guy is, is better than anybody else, you know? So um, I don't think he's going to last long, um, especially if maybe a team, you know, maybe there's an update in a week or so of where he is. Probably not. They probably teams have all their information now. Um, the Jets like him a lot for sure. You know, I've heard they, they like the class in a whole as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, even Rex Hogan today, again, said like they have these guys ranked pretty closely. So, it's impossible for me to know, and for mostly anybody who's not in that room, maybe like five people, you know, um, who they prefer over. Like you've seen reports where, though, their guys, Garrett Wilson, oh, they're locked in on um, Drake London. They loved Traylon Burks. Like nobody really knows. They, they like most of these guys. They all, they all do different things well, and they all can fit well within what LaFleur does. Like it's not like a Denzel Mims situation where – None of these guys are clueless when it comes to the, the route tree, and um, they're all in pretty solid shape. Obviously, Williams with the knee is, is an issue, but if, if you're looking at, like, the safest pick, I feel like it's Garrett Wilson just because he's healthy, you know, and he's put those explosive plays on tape. And, you know, London, you love the size. Um, he's got soft hands, but, you know, are you worried about his health and are you worried about his speed? Like, I don't know. Um, Williams, obviously, with the knee. Uh, Alave kind of is in that next tier. So, you know, the top tier is probably those three. And then you have like the Alave, um, Traylon Burks. I love Jahan Dotson. I would have him in that second tier, but I don't think he's, he's too similar to what the Jets have already. Um, so 
I think at the end of the day, you know, if they don't get one of these receivers in the, in the trade, um, 10 is probably where they're going to pick one. Yeah. And I, I think we've, we've heard a lot about these receivers and, you know, I think I, I, I can speak for Jake as well. Like we personally would love Jamison Williams, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. how it out. Um, I think a lot of fans and a lot of people kind of have a general idea of like what the Jets are going to do on day one. Um, as a fan, like what would your thought process be on day two? I know a lot of people want the safeties or defensive tackles. Is that how you're feeling as well? Or, or what, are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not as like gung-ho on defensive tackles as other people are. I'm just scarred from some of these you know, picks and investing so much in that position and not having it pay off. And I think you can find those guys on, you know, the free agent market or even, you know, the Jets have had it. The Jets have done a good job of late round slash undrafted guys coming in and, you know, playing that role. I don't think, you know, you have so much invested in Quinn and Williams already. You have Sheldon Rankins, you have Franklin Myers is going to play more inside um, Solomon Thomas. So there's depth there. They probably need a bigger body, you know, to replace a role like Foley played. Um, but you know, for what Salah wants to do, he probably would rather just somebody who can generate some pressure from the inside. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if, you know, a lot of people are saying they're going to go interior D line. I would, I would upgrade the linebacker spot before I did that. But, um, it seems like Salah has, is like set on that, like hybrid, you know, safety linebacker spot more than your traditional, you know, inside linebacker. I mean, I like some of the guys. I don't love them. Like I like Quincy. I think he's got a role, but I don't think he's a guy you can trust to play 90% of the snaps, 85% of the snaps. Same with, you know, Sherwood and Hamza and Nazuddin. Like I would love to get a guy in the second round, like Christian Harris, uh, Chad Muma, like some of one of those guys, you know, cause Mosley's not going to be here for much longer. Like maybe this is his last year. Um, or if you can, if he has a good year and, you know, you want to keep him around as like the veteran leader of the defense, you keep him for at least, you know, one more year, but, you're going to have to replace him soon. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're all hoping that it's edge receiver. And then, you know, at 35, my goal would be, I mean, imagine you come away with, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jamison Williams, and Tyler Linderbaum, right? Like you trade up from 35, use that third round pick, use a fourth round pick, um, get up to get Linderbaum. Your interior, your offensive line becomes your strength between the two guards that, you know, Joe Douglas raved about today, obviously an AVT and Lake and Tomlinson put Linderbaum there. You're set for like at least the next five years, hopefully the next 10 years. Um, and then you just run the shit out of the ball and you help Zach, you know, pretty much obviously with the tight ends and, you know, the rookie receiver and more in Davis, you know, you, you're looking pretty good. And then you can focus more on the secondary or, you know, a, a playmaking uh, player on defense, whether that's like, you know, a JOK last year that the Browns were able to get the second round. A guy like that for the Jets would be awesome. This, like, playmaking guy who can run with these tight ends now. Um, somebody who's just going to flash on defense. They're, they're lacking that right now. They don't have that big play guy. So um, I would like somebody in, in the next level, you know, whether that's a linebacker like a Christian Harris um, or, you know, one of the safeties is, is cool as long as it's in the second round, you know, one of the picks. Um, and then – you know, then then you could start looking like running back. I know Pierre Strong is a is a guy they really like. They think he's a perfect system fit and complement to uh, Michael Carter. You know, he's somebody they can get maybe even on day three in the fourth round early. Um, you know, the tight the blocking tight end is, is something they they probably need. So hopefully they can finally cut Trayvon Wesco. Uh, maybe another receiver, right? I mean, you can't have 
you know, if, let's say you get Jamison Williams and they do keep him out, they hold him till November, you're going to need, you know, you're going to need bodies, right? So like an Alec Pierce, maybe. Um, and then I'd like to see them grab a corner. I, I love Kobe Bryant from, from Cincinnati a little later. Um, Tariq Woolen too, is another name like mid round. So they can, they have so many picks, right? Like, <laughs> and they drafted so many guys last year and you have, you know, some new, new guys they signed, some undrafted guys. So, you know, they're building the depth of the team really well. They just lack that, like those real impact players on both sides of the ball. So if, you know, that's why I say, if, like we all say, the Kayvon impact player on defense, Jamison Williams impact player on offense, you know, you'll, you'll start to see, you know, this team like flash and it's not just where it's going to be, you know, they got a nice team, but who, who keeps you up at night on both sides of the ball. So that's, I think what, what Douglas needs to focus on now, right? Like, so it's more about the quality than it is the quantity. I know we have a lot of picks, but I'm hoping he's able to use those as ammo to move up, to get real day one, high impact players, not just nice players. I tell you what, Nick, if the Jets start off with the draft with Kayvon Thibodeau, Jamison Williams, and trade up from 35 to get Tyler Linderbaum, I'm going to need you, Stadium, to come out with some <laughs> form of T-shirt for Joe Douglas, <laughs> and I will be your first customer. And I'll stop tweeting at Woody to sell the team. Uh, we, we could still do that. I mean, that's, one, one nice draft is not going to erase 25 miserable years. So I, I think I would be the happiest I've ever been as a fan, probably since. <laughs> that would be a home run. That'd be a home run draft, man. I mean, you're, you know, you're setting yourself up nicely. I mean, outside of like another safety and like I mentioned, a linebacker, like where are the desperate holes after filling those three? So, um, it, it, they have a chance to turn it around and quick. I mean, this is what, this is what Douglas has been, you know, I know last year he got the quarterback and he made two first round picks, but you know, this year you can supplement the roster now and really add top level talent. So I wouldn't even be, you know, opposed to trading up to make sure you get Kayvon or a Hutchinson, you know, like I think if you don't come away with one of those guys, I think it's a disappointment to be honest with you. Like I hate to be negative and like so black and white, but the, the desperate hole and need, you know, for the past two decades is there in front of you. You have all this ammo. If you're not going to trade it for a Debo or, you know, one of the receivers because they're just not available, get aggressive and make sure you come away with one of these guys. Agreed. Could not agree more, actually. That's why I really like talking to you because I feel like we're on the same wavelength and <laughs> it, it's just how it goes. And you brought up impactful players and the name Debo. This is kind of a multitasker here, so you're going to have to bear with me. Sure. I heard a very interesting point today by Mike Floreal on, I think it's PFT or whatever it is. And this was actually a pretty good idea. I just wanted to run it by you. Is there a world where the Jets are on the clock at 10 overall, where they kind of have a, a trade agreed in principle with the 49ers? They worked out the contract with Debo. And then they make the trade because the Niners don't want the pick right away because then maybe somebody could jump them for the pass catcher they desire. Mm. Thoughts on that, as well as just the overall, what you're hearing the latest is on Debo Samuel. If the, the likelihood he becomes available, what you think the limit will be with the Jets. I'm sure they love him. I don't even think I have to ask that. Yeah. Just, just take me through all that because you would know a lot more than us. Yeah, like – I mean, there's definitely a world where that could happen. It makes, it makes sense. You know, they don't want to tip their hand. And um, as long as they know they're coming away with, with a pick, you know, the picks in this year's draft, which 
obviously they're going to want because, because A, why wouldn't you? And B, they're not picking until 61. Um, so if there is a receiver and they, you know, it's the trade is basically um, the condition is this player has to be there and then we'll do it. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of anything like that has happened. I'm sure it has that we just didn't know about. It, it should um, have happened in 2020 with Jamal Adams and the Cowboys because then we'd have C.D. Lamb, but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we did pretty well with, with that trade, so um, I agree, though. That would have been nice. Um, yeah, I mean, can it happen? Sure. I think, you know, they've done their homework on the Niners on the receiver class. You know, they, they saw Drake London. They saw some other guys. So, you know, it's not like they're going to be out of you know, left field. They're like, well, shit, here we are without even – doing any homework on the receiver class because we didn't think we would have needed one. Um, so they won't be kind of caught with their pants down at all, but it, it could, it could happen. You know, I wouldn't say yes, but I wouldn't say no for sure. Um, you know, in, in my eyes, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen before Thursday. Um, because like I said, like they're going to want to know, all right, well, this is where we're, this is what we're going to do with this pick. Like they, they, when they traded uh, the D lineman, his name is in my mind. Yeah. Buckner to the Colts. Um, you know, then they then they got involved. You know, know where they want to go previously. You know, he was a guy who who they thought was going to be their anchor of their D line, and you know, they traded. They ended up trading him. Um, so it, it definitely could happen. The Niners are a proud franchise. They're not going to want to be pretty much held hostage by one player. Um, and Shanahan is a very very ego driven guy. I mean, we all know it. Look at his father. Look at him. He, I'm sure, he doesn't think Debo is going to make his entire offense when he's definitely the best player in their offense, but. Um, you know, he probably probably is confident enough in himself to say I could replace this guy. So I think you're dealing with an organization who wouldn't be shy to trade him. That's why I think eventually he's going to get traded. Um, and I know like, and I know the Jets would would be if it's not at the top of the list, you know, right there, um, because they have a, you know, it's not groundbreaking news, but they the coaching staff loves the player, so there's. There's definitely no holding back. If he's made available, the Jets will go as aggressive as they were with, with Tyreek Hill. So, um, and as for what it would take, I mean, I don't know if it would take 10. I don't see why it would. I mean, I don't, I don't think is Debo Sam. Yeah. He's two years younger. Um, might not make as much like he'll probably come in at like the 24, 25 a year, as opposed to Tyreek Hill with 30. Um, so he'll be a little bit cheaper. So that's a little easier to swallow, but there's not as many teams who can fit that amount of money and give up the amount of draft equity this late in the off season, as you would think, you know, even for a player as good as Debo Samuel. Um, so Douglas isn't going to be the, the guy who shoots his load and says, here's 10, take it, you know? So he's, we all know the kind of, you know, not that we've ever seen him negotiate, but we, we know the uh, background and he's not going to be that guy. Um, I think he'll have a price like, hey, here's 35, 38, and let's say fourth rounder. Um, and it's probably going to be a best, you know, just because of the situation they're in. You know, the Niners can do whatever they want with that. They can pick a receiver at 35 because there'll be one like a Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson um, and still get a defensive lineman. They can move, take those two picks and move up to get a Jamison Williams if he falls a little bit or, you know, another defensive lineman that they want. So, those two picks are so valuable. Um, they're more valuable than just, you know, the Packers throwing pick number 28 or whatever. Um, you're just able to, to do much more with that. And especially in this draft, that, that like, tw- that like 
30 to 40 is the sweet spot of this draft. Like there's so many good players. Um, they'll be cheaper than, than, you know, picking at 10, you know, you'll, you'll probably save like three or $4 million as well. And that, and that price tag is definitely, you know, something to at least, you know, think about this late in the off season. You know, like most of these teams have already spent their money and allocated what they're doing this season already. So yeah, most of them will leave a little bit of wiggle room for moves during the season and whatnot, but um, you know, to free up, to free up that kind of money, there's not, not as many teams as you think I'm sure are going to be as involved. So um, if, if the Niners, and I think they're going to, and, and probably are already at least taking calls or at least hearing what teams have to offer. Um, if Debo, you know, pretty much holds his line and says this, I'm not playing. And, and I know, I know I'm rambling a lot, but <laughs> like, no, I know I, people I are it. like, well, they control him for three more years. Yeah. But, you know, in these new these new contracts and the way these you know the new rules, he can show up to OTAs and you know to mandatory OTAs, mini camp, uh, training camp. And if he wants to be a pain in the ass for the 49ers, he easily can. You know, he can show up and say, "Oh, you know, fuck, my hamstring hurts today. You know, I'm sitting out." He can be a problem for the team, and I, and I'm sure they don't want to do that. They don't want to go into the season with a guy who's going to be a problem. And you know, you have Trey Lance coming along, and um. It's, it's not going to be what, what the 49ers are going to want. So if, if that's what Debo wants to do, you know, I, I just think the 49ers are going to you know, wash their hands of it and just move on. Well, I mean, I think, I think we can all hope as Jet fans that uh, Debo is available and that Joe Douglas is making some calls. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking on, on Joe Douglas, just wanted to hear your overall thoughts on this offseason so far. Um, I mean, I, I've thought it's been, it's been pretty solid, but in your opinion, what do you think would make this like an A off season for you? That's a good word to put. Like solid. I think you know it's nice that it, he, they have a plan. Um, it's nice that they were they tried to get aggressive and and by all accounts they had they had the trade agreed on and and the contract was pretty much agreed on um, and they would have landed that like game changing player. I think what needs to happen is he needs to come away with one of these top two edge rushers. Uh, get that that anchor on your defensive line. Um, and, and do something, try as hard as you can to get one of these receivers. If he comes away with Debo Samuel and, and Kayvon, like the draft is made, like the draft, the, the draft is Irrelevant. secondary. Like I hate to say, <laughs> yeah, I hate to say that, but like what he does in rounds two, you know, two and you know, three, well, they would trade the twos, but what he does with 10, the third rounder and the two fourths is like, whatever, like you have your, your superstar on offense and you have the guy who's going to you know make, you know, Zach Wilson, the guy make his life a lot easier. And you have a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau who can change your entire defense. So um, I think it goes from, from a solid B to a, at least an A, you know, if, if they get Debo and Kayvon. But if you take Debo out of the equation, I think if, you know, any type of one of the two pass rushers, a, a center that they – because they do want to move on. They do want to upgrade, I should say, the, the center spot. So – whether that's with a trade up for Linderbaum uh, or one of these guys in the third round or something, that's, that's a sweet spot. That 69th pick is some, that, that if they don't trade up for Linderbaum, I feel like they're, like, <coughs> they're going to take a center there. Um, Cause I've heard all off season. They just, they, they want to improve there. You know, they want some more toughness and, and Tomlinson definitely brings that, but you know, they feel that they can still do that. Um, so any, any kind of form of a, a Kayvon or Hutchinson, and a impact 
receiver like a Jamison Williams. And and look, if they get Kayvon and Garrett Wilson, you're going to be excited. <laughs> like I know we we all probably all I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, look, he he can make plays. He's a a talented receiver. He'll probably not come along as fast as we would hope, right? You know, receivers tend to take a little while unless you're Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. But um, I don't think – I don't know. I'm, I'm so stubborn that if they get Kayvon, it's kind of the rest to me is a you're, you're playing with house money. Agreed. And, and, Nick, we really appreciate all the time. Just our last question before we wrap up. Last year we saw Elijah Moore fall. Jeremiah Wusu Karamoov fall to the second round and some surprises in round one. Uh, John Gruden's not around, obviously, anymore to take any outlandish picks, guys that will probably be day two or three picks in the middle of the first round. Give me one guy you could see falling to the second round and one guy that's kind of more of a day two guy being drafted in the first round, just based on the conversations you've had with people. Yeah, does Linderbaum count, I guess? You know, him, him falling just because yeah. – He's system specific. Um, he's got shorter arms. They're a little worried about that. I'm not. I think he's a stud like Pro Bowl in the second he's drafted. Um, so I, I would say him falling a bit. I think Hamilton's going to fall. Not not to the second round. You know, I think he'll go in like the you know early teens, maybe like that twelve, like like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Um, I could see him falling a bit. I think Stingley is going to be drafted a little earlier than than we all think. Um, I know that wasn't the question, but that's just off. That's just how my brain works. <laughs> um, as for somebody who's going to be drafted, uh, it was a day two guy who we thought that might go in the first round. Quay Walker, maybe the linebacker from Georgia. Um, ahead of N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, I think that could happen. I wow. think he could go ahead of N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. N'Kobe Dean could be a guy who falls out of the first round. Um, oh, Lewis seen. Could, could get drafted in the 20s. I think he's a guy who some people have as the number one safety. You're talking to him. Um, so I think he's going to get drafted a lot earlier uh, where some people thought he was like a mid-second rounder. And I want to give you one more, maybe on offense. Uh, maybe Chris, Jahan Dotson, who I mentioned. I was going to say maybe Watson kind of seems like yeah, the popular he, one. He, he's somebody – I think – I think fans are a little more high on him than teams are. Um, you know, I think you know, fans fall in love, obviously, because it's such a long process with the, the stars of the combine and, you know, all the workouts and stuff. Um, you know, when you're talking late 20s, you're talking about good teams, you know, and, and those guys, uh, if, if they don't see a productive impact guy they see right away, except make, you know, creating separation, they're not going to fall for it. Um, so I think uh, Jahan Dotson will get drafted ahead of Watson and probably, you know, maybe the Packers grab him, maybe the Chiefs. Um, him and Sky Moore, I think, are two guys that, that the league likes a lot. Nick, I would just like to thank you for coming back on. And everybody, go download that app, the U Stadium <laughs> app. It is I had to clear out a lot of space on the iPhone due to the whole storage BS that Apple does, but the U Stadium <laughs> app is going nowhere. The new takes feature, a booming success, or what, what, how's that all going, Nick, with the takes feature? Yeah, I'm a little unfamiliar it's, it's with awesome. it. Yeah, I could give you a quick kind of rundown. It's a new – it's kind of a new idea, I guess you could say. Um, 
it's it's really you know and, and we just did a big upgrade where it's kind of you could break it down through categories and team uh, and and sports and stuff so um the first iteration was kind of just all in one spot and now you can switch between categories and sports and stuff so um if you just want to see football takes you can click the little football icon and but and you know rest of the sports as well so it's a way for you to you're really creating your own sports odds so you're you're making a prediction and you can make a as long as that prediction has an outcome a real outcome that everybody can see no it's not an opinion so it's not like i think the jets will be a sleeper team there's no you know real uh outcome to that like your definition of a sleeper team could be different than you know than mine um could be different than lorenzo's it could be you know, you, if they win seven games, you might say, hey, they, you know, it has to be a, I think the Jets are going to draft Jamison Williams at 10. So you set, you, you post that, um, you set a time for it to expire. So, you know, probably like 8.30 on Thursday, set a point value, you know, so let's say 2,000 points, that would be $2. Um, and you post it and then people will either agree or disagree the the points will go to the middle of the pot, right? You know, so think of like Monopoly when it goes into the free, you know, the the middle. Um, and then based on that outcome, whenever he does get drafted by the Jets or he doesn't, those points are split up among the winning side. So if you say yes and they pick him, you know, your winning side will would get all the points and it's divvied up. And then you can cash out those points. You know, so you know, if you win 5,000 points on a take, that's $5. You can cash out and you get PayPal or Venmoed or whatever. So um, it's basically, it's an, you know, and there's some cool takes on like one guy <laughs> a couple of weeks ago posted um, his sister was pregnant and was, you know, due basically any night. And he was like, oh, you know, my nephew is going to be under seven pounds, six ounces. So oh, man. <laughs> I think like 30 people joined the take. Um you know, so you can put anything like any as long as there is a legit outcome, um, you can go on there and you can either agree or disagree, and you can kind of filter through the other ones and see what they're doing. There's a lot of, you know, we post a lot of like free entry ones. So if any of your listeners or any of you guys want to try it out, and you don't have any points yet, uh, just shoot me over your DM us on uh, Twitter or Instagram at U Stadium, and we'll send you some free promo points to try it out. Good deal, Nick. Right after this, I will put every point and cent to my name on the Jets not taking a safety fourth overall because that day is just <laughs> – that chapter's over. And, Nick, thank yes. you again. And we'll be back next week. And it's always a great time talking to you. Go Jets. Anytime, man. Yeah, Jake. Lorenzo, take care, boys.